want to invite you to come and fill this middle section up. If y'all scoot in, scoot down, scoot, scoot down. Everybody stand up where you're at. Do me a favor, stand up where you're at. Everybody stand up where you're at. If you're on the wings, if you're on the sides, we'll ask that you come in. If you're in this section, let's kind of come down just a little bit. If y'all, y'all have no idea how hard it is to speak to back rows in churches. And, and so if y'all just come on down, that would be sweet and super awesome. And uh, as, a, as a communicator, and uh, it's, it's, it is really tough at times to try to get a point across to the back row. And uh, so I appreciate you guys understanding where we're coming from. I want to say how glad I am that you guys are here. And in uh, today's talk, if you guys, would y'all come off the sides? We're asking nobody to sit on the sides for now because it's, it's hard to see. I know I'm trying to help you guys out. It's hard to see because of these columns, the way they're built. Um, the, uh, this morning is one of those mornings that is one of those Bible studies, one of those talks that is absolutely stinking hard to have because the reason I say that is because if you're a believer or you say you're a believer in this place this morning, your toes will get stepped on. And when I say that, I don't say that in a jerky, rude, mean way. I say that as a preface to what the scripture is going to be talking to us about. And sometimes it's good to have our toes stepped on because that means there's a reality check and a wake-up call for some of us in this place. And when I was studying this scripture, man, my toes were getting stepped on all over the place about what Jesus was saying. And so this morning, I pray that you'll hear this preface for the talk, understand that God's word has something special to say to us whether you're sitting from left to right or my left to right or front to back, that God's word is living and active and God does not want us to be like what Jesus is saying today. And so I, I want to set this, the talk up. Believers, this talk is for you. If you claim to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this talk is for you this morning. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're off the hook this morning. I don't say that to say that you might go, I don't need Jesus. No, no, no. What I'm saying then this morning is that if you don't know Jesus, you should see the example that Christians should be setting. And then hopefully that would, should draw you, you should want that same freedom that a Christian has that too many times we miss out on. And so this morning, I, I want to set it up like that. I want to set everything up. And, and so if you have your Bibles, I want to go ahead and invite you to turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. If you don't, if you don't have a Bible, we'd be lo we would love to give you one. And uh, all you got to do is lift up your hand and, and we'll ha hand you one of those. But um, so back in 1984... Back in 1984, it was, a, it was a good year, 1984. I was uh, two years old in 1984. Uh, I don't remember it much, but 1984, uh, there was a song that came out in 1984 by a guy named Rockwell. Rockwell was this guy's name. It went to number two on the Billboard Top 100 charts. And if anybody knows this song, by Rockwell, I will give you a Starbucks gift card in the next five, don't look it up, four, anybody know three, 1984, two, one. That's all right. I didn't know he sang it either. It's, it, but you know the song. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of I'll lead it off and then you can, you'll probably know it. 
I always feel like somebody's watching me. You know that. You've heard that song. How many of you heard that song? I always feel. Some of you have not heard that song. Come on. If you've never heard, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Proud, loud. Okay. You got to check the song out because Michael Jackson and the Jackson 5 actually did a little background vocal on this song. You've heard of Michael Jackson? Okay, one or two of you have. Okay, just make whoo, just making sure. Okay, so so this song, I always feel like somebody's watching me. And when, when I was when I was thinking about this, I was I re, was taken back to when I was a teenager, and my youth pastor would talk about uh, people all the time. Like like we were walking around. He used to have this little clip art, and I I, I could probably find it somewhere. It's like this little man with a video camera on his head. And, and what that was symbolizing is that everybody's watching everything. I was on the way to church this morning in Smyrna, and I'm coming every red light. I don't know if they did this overnight. I haven't noticed them over the past couple of weeks, but every red light I hit, there was a camera at. I mean, every single red light in Smyrna. And it wasn't just like pointing out towards the crowd it was, or, or towards the road. It was pointed down, like in a person's car. They're watching like, they're waiting, and I'm, I'm like wondering, what in the world? Are they watching if I text, or are they watching if I fly through the red light, which I don't do because I'm a Christian. But, you know, it, it's like they're all, people are watching. They're watching. Big Brother is watching. And then we think about this, and we understand that everybody is watching everybody else. And that causes a little tension, in, in especially in church world. Because here's the deal. The older, or excuse me, the younger kids watch the older kids and the older kids watch the college kids and the college kids watch the adults and that's how it is that's how it's always been and when I was a teenager I didn't really grasp that until I got to that next stage then I was like oh yeah I was looking up at Brian Moon I was looking up at Eric Green I was looking up at these guys because they were older than me and then when I got to be a, a, a senior, I remember looking down at these kids, Taylor and Jonathan and Justin, these guys that were younger, and I'm going, they are looking up to me. And I never really grasped it. And I was having lunch with one of my former students this past week. He, he's in college. He goes to Georgia State, plays drums, and uh, he's out on the football field every, every Saturday. And, and he was just telling me what God was doing in his life. And he said, Ryan, you know, you used to tell me all the time that, that people were looking up to me when we were at, at, in, our, in our student ministry, that the younger kids, the middle schoolers, the, the younger high schoolers were looking up to me. And I never believed it. But now I'm teaching a small group of middle schoolers and I get it. I get it. And it was like the, the light bulb clicked and it just kind of the piece together for this talk this morning that 100% of us are watching everybody else. And I'm just going to say that because you were watching people when you came in. You were watching, you were watching conversations. You were watching what people were wearing. And we were, we were checking things out. We were watching where to go. We're always watching. But the tension for the believer is what are people seeing in you? And so this morning, we, we encounter a conversation that Jesus is having with John. Now, you need to understand John is Jesus' best friend. And so, so we get to this, we, as we continue through our study of Mark, which I have loved, uh, we get to this conversation, and Jesus has just healed a boy from having an evil spirit, and then... Uh, the disciples come together and they start griping about who's the greatest. And Jesus just kind of starts having this conversation with John. And, 
in uh, Mark chapter 9. We're going to kick off in verse 42, but we're going to do a little something different as we read through 42. So, so let me pray, and we're going we're gonna to dive on in this scripture and uh, see what God has for us. Lord, I love you so much, and I thank you for your love for us. It's overwhelming. There is no other name like the name of Jesus, and we give you praise and honor and glory and adoration. So this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. These are hard words to talk about. These are hard words, uh, hard scriptures to just dive into. But God, I pray that today that we would leave changed. I really truly do. I pray that you would change my heart. God, I pray that you would change my friends' hearts and understand that you've called us to something bigger. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us now as we dive in your word. And it's in Jesus' name we all pray and we said, amen. All right, verse 42, let's dive in here. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, time out. We always generally think little ones because of what happened two sections earlier when Jesus brought a little boy and and, uh, was talking about his faith. When he was saying that, we always consider when we hit this verse that little ones is talking about Children, well, that's not the case. What he's talking about is younger and believing, uh, those who are believers who are younger. So little ones, he's meaning believers. So you need to understand that. So everybody listen, this is for you. So believers who are younger or, or who are underneath you, either a week or a year or even minutes, believers. So here we go. So time back in. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Excuse me, let me back up because I skipped the whole line and that's very important. And if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. And if your hands cause you to sin, cut it off. It's better to you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell where the fire never goes out. Verse 45, and if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. We're going to hang out on that one here in a minute. That one's a hard one. Verse 50. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. And so this morning, as we read these, we, this, you might have heard these, you may have heard these scriptures before, you may have heard uh, these being taught or preached, and, 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 and that's great, I hope you have, because that's such a reminder that we need to have a, a lot of times. But here's what we're going to do this morning, we're going to go backwards through these scriptures. We're going to start in verse 50 and we're going to talk about it backwards and then see how it gets to us. Is that okay? If that's okay with you, give me a thumbs up. All right, give me a thumbs up. Y'all are with me. Cool. Thank you. All right, so verse 50, if you're taking notes, verse 50, I'm going to kind of break these down and then we're going to kind of, we'll talk about them here in a second. Verse 50. So Jesus says, be at peace with each other. Now, some versions say live at peace, and what he really means is that we are, as believers, unified. 
That means we are unified in thought and in action, that we are unified, we are together in thought and action as believers. John is listening in as Jesus is telling him all these things that they just had a conversation about who is the greatest, and he says at the very end of this, be unified. So if he's telling us to be unified, let's back up a little bit. He says, he says salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty Again, he says, have salt in yourselves. And scripture talks a lot about salt. And, and that salt here, there's other uses for salt. And it, when Jesus is talking about uh, salt and light, we, we, we're not going to talk about that particular uh, talk that Jesus had uh, earlier. But when he says salt here, he's saying that salt in the term of it being a preservative, that it preserves, that it, it keeps things around for a longer time. But here's the deal, Jesus says, if salt loses its saltiness, if it's unable to do what it was created to do, it's useless. It's useless. It will go bad. And so Jesus is saying that this is preservative, and he makes that correlation as a Christian. Don't lose your saltiness. Keep saying salty, not in the term that teenagers use it now. Oh, he's salty. No, it, it's, 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 it's in a term of uh, uh, persevere, or excuse me, preservation. Preservation. In that saltiness, you need to stay in peace and in unity. And we'll get back to that in a second. Verse 49, again, we're going backwards. Everyone will be salted with fire. Now, that's one of those, I, I looked at probably three or four or five, now, it was at least five or six different common, uh, uh, commentaries about this. I just went and tried to find, that, and, and there's no one that's really, really set on what this meaning for this verse means. It could be a saying from the time. That was kind of one of those things where when you read this, it was, it was saying that that was, would have been something maybe Peter and John and Jesus would have been, just had a saying to each other. And he says, everyone will be salted with fire. So what is the best uh, uh, version of what does this mean for us? Remember that salt was used for preservation and then we see fire that burns things up and we, we can only guess, we can only imagine from what the Greek says in this scripture that the salt and we will be preserved by the fire or tribulations that we go through. And we will be able to persevere because of the trials that we go through. And we see this. Everyone will be salted with fire. And so how Jesus is saying you persevere through the things that you go through. So let's go backwards. Verse 40. Eight, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. This is, Jesus is talking about Gehenna. He's actually talking about a, a place that's a little south of Jerusalem called the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom, maybe you've heard about this from the Old Testament. Now the Old Testament, when this, was, th this place was used as child sacrifice, they would, they would go in the Old Testament times and they shut it down after a while, but people would go in, these kings would go and sacrifice children. So this place was not a good place. 
This wasn't, this wasn't somewhere that was celebrated. And after they, they had deemed it an unholy place, what they would do is after that, they would take corpses out there and burn their corpses. They would burn bodies or they would just let them rot. After time went on, that they would just take fire and, or excuse me, their garbage and just pile it on. And there would be this huge, big mound that was set on fire. And because of the, the garbage that was thrown on over, over and over and continually this fire never burned out and so that's what Jesus is meaning this valley of Hinnom Gehenna is what what Jesus is saying where this fire just continues to burn and the worms that are in the soil and then the garbage continue to eat because of the garbage that's put in there and they continue to eat and they continue to feast and that's the illustration that Jesus is given about hell here it's pretty intense you need to understand that Jesus, no one in scripture talked about hell more than Jesus. Why? Because it's a real place. And he wanted his hearers and his readers after he passed on, or excuse me, after he went to heaven, uh, excuse me, he's in heaven, after he passed from this earth to heaven, he wanted us to understand that hell is a real place. And so he talked about it more than anyone else in scripture. And so it says, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Well, so we need to live in unity, but how do we live in unity? We continue to be salt, uh, 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 persevered by salt and be salty, not in the term that you're thinking, but be salty and perseverance through trial so that we don't end up in hell. And so let's continue to go backwards. Jesus says, uh, we'll, we'll go 47 through 43. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, because it's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two, eye, two eyes and be thrown into hell. Verse 40, uh, 45 and 46 is added in there. It's at the bottom of your Bible. You're probably going, wait a second, there's a scripture that's out of place, but you can read that in a second. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. And it's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. Let's go up to verse 43. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And Jesus right here is not talking Jesus right here is not talking of a self-mutilation. He's not saying literally go get a spoon and pluck out your eye. He's not literally saying take a knife and cut off your hand. He's not saying go put your foot on a stump and have someone cut your foot off. That's not what he's saying. Scripture is very clear on self-mutilation. That's not what he's saying. This is, this is figurative speaking. He's saying this is such a big deal that it, it, these things need to happen figuratively in your heart as a believer because if these things happen, happen it could cause what I'm about to talk about to happen and it's very interesting on these scriptures that he's talking about the eye what you see the feet where you go and the hand what you touch this is a very serious thing and so Jesus if we were to back up, remember we're going backwards and we're going to hit 42B, the second part of 42. 
it would be better for him to be thrown into a sea with into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Now, I've got a picture of a millstone just so you understand what this this is a millstone. Now, this these millstones during this time, this is an example. What they would do is they would they would tie a donkey to this end of the the wood and this donkey would walk around in a circle over and over. I don't see how the donkey didn't vomit, but it just <laughs> walked around in circles over and over and over. And this thing in the middle, this large stone uh, would, would rotate. And what they would do is they would put grain right here and they would crush it where they could use it in the flour and different mill products. And, and so they would, this, this thing would go around and around. But you need to understand that this, this stone could weigh anywhere between five to eight to a thousand pounds. It was a big, heavy stone. And so Jesus says, it is better for someone to tie a rope around one end, which would be your neck, and the other around this thing and get it thrown into the ocean, thrown into the sea. Because what would happen, you could see it uh, figuratively in your mind or visually in your mind, that that thing is going to take you straight to the bottom. And what Jesus is saying is it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. Why? Let's back up verse 42a. Let's see what he says. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. Jesus makes it a big deal. He says, if you were to cause another believer, he's telling John, look, if you were to cause another believer to sin, it's better for you just to, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so we see this and we say, man, Jesus, this is, this is tough teaching. This is, this is one of those things where how could people listen? Well, he's telling, you need to understand, he's telling his close friend John this. Because he wants him to understand because he loves him so much. And this morning, I tell my close friends this. Because whether you believe it or not, I love you so much that I don't want to see you go through this stuff. Because you need to understand there are consistently people watching you. They're watching what you do. They're watching you Snapchat right now. They're watching you uh, uh, take notes. They're watching you play on your phone. They're watching you doodle. They're watching you talk to your neighbor. They're, watch they're watching you. People are watching you. When you're in big church, the cameras are watching you. I sometimes go back and see and watch the services from Sunday morning, and it's amazing how much you guys talk about the sermon on Sunday mornings. Like, you guys are conversing, man, that was a good point Dr. Youssef made. Yeah, man, let me write it down, let me tweet it out. I mean, it's amazing. But we need to understand, you need to understand that people are watching, whether you like it or not. And the tough part, look at me real quick, guys. The tough part is that the guys and gals that are in this room that can hear my voice that are looking me right in the eyes need to understand that the kids in that room are watching you. They're watching you. When you worship, they're watching you. Or when you just stand there and talk to your buddies, they're watching you. They're watching you when you're out in, the, out in the hallway or you're out in the cafe and you're making fun of each other or talking about each other. They're watching you. They're watching you. They're watching you when you go 
and you play around in the gym and and you play with your own little group and and they're over here just dying to be a part of that basketball game but they don't want to say anything because they think they're not cool enough they're watching they're watching when we go to a trip or retreat when this group hangs out over here but never reaches out and we might say things or you might do things or you might do something that would throw one of them off and they're watching but here's the deal they're not off the case either the fifth and sixth graders are watching them and how they act the same thing same thing applies the fifth and sixth graders are watching them and guess who's watching the fifth and sixth graders the ones under them and guess who you're watching whether you want to believe it whether you want to trust it or not you're watching our adults college older you're watching us and you watch how we react to things and it's amazing how that if we show freedom to do whatever in Christ whether it be worship or pray like this past Wednesday night you guys were just waiting waiting for the opportunity and when those adults you saw that it was okay to pray man you students jumped up and I could not have been more proud as a youth pastor when you guys stood up and prayed on Wednesday night. But it was amazing that the majority of those who prayed were underclassmen. Because here's the deal. The folks in this room, you students in this room, are not meant to look down. You are meant to lead and look up. Again, I know this is hard and I know this might be stepping on toes, but this is stepping on my toes as I read this and I read this scripture because I've got to live this out as well. Our leaders in STS have to live this out as well. We have to live this out. Do we mess up? Yes. Does that, is it one of those things where we have to live holy and perfect lives? Uh, it's one of those deals where we have to strive to at least. Are we going to mess up? Yes, that's what grace and that's what mercy's for. But the severity of messing up is a big deal. What does Jesus say? If you cause another believer to sin, it would be better for you to cut your hand off, to cut your foot off, to pluck your eyeball out. And even more so, wrap a rope around your neck and throw yourself into the sea. But there's hope. We read that and we go, man, Jesus, that's, that's a big deal. Well, it is a big deal because you understand what that causes? Listen, you understand what that causes when we distract someone? It causes confusion. Paul talks about it in one of his letters. I think it's Galatians chapter 5, and if I'm wrong on that, I probably shouldn't have add, added the address, but Paul talks about it in, in his letters, and he says, uh, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and stopped you from obeying the truth? Those are some words I never want to hear said to my life, and I never want to hear someone say in your life, because if you're a believer... We need to stand up and stop the confusion. Stand up and stop the confusion. So how do we do that? 
How do you do that? How do you, if you're in this place and you go, man, Ryan, you're talking to me right now. I I have been a stumbling block. People have tripped over me getting to you, uh, getting to Jesus because of the things that I'm doing and I'm saying and I'm tweeting and I'm Snapchatting and the things that I'm, I'm doing on a consistent basis. People are tripping over me to get to Jesus. How do I get rid of that? How do I stop doing that? Well, let me give you hope this morning. I, I don't want to just slam you and just say, see you, bye. It was good talking to you. You're all a bunch of sinners. Get out of here. No, that would be horrible. Because I'm talking to myself. I got to give myself hope. I got to give us hope because there's a way out of this. There's a way to stop. And here's what I say is just two words. We confess. If you're taking notes, you, you confess. You get rid of the sin that's in your lives. You get rid of the sin that's causing you to trip people up. You stop sinning. You stop doing those things that cause people to trip over you to get to Jesus, whether it be the conversation that you're having or the attitude that you're having or the... the, the it, Listen, do you understand that everything that Jesus said right here is a result of one word, of one sin? Listen, pride. Everything that Jesus said, what we see, what we touch, where we go, is is a pride issue. Listen to me. Do you know who fell because of a pride issue? The devil, Satan, the evil one, our enemy, He fell because he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do. He thought he could say whatever he wanted to say. He thought he could go and have the power to do anything. He said, I'm greater than you, God. And you know what Jesus is saying? Those things are the same things that cause the enemy, the evil one, to fall. He says, get them out. Get them out. Confess. If you're struggling with X, Y, or Z, you know what it is when I say those words, you are struggling with, uh, and that's the thing. Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus, whether it be talking back to your parents, drinking on the weekends, looking at stuff that you shouldn't look at, talking about people behind their back, whatever it is, whatever it is, give it to Jesus. He wants you to confess and not only Not only does he want that, he wants the second thing. He wants clarity. Jenny, can you start handing out, just hand a a, a handful, a small handful and just the sections and they can kind of hand it back. And uh, here's what we need to understand. Don't open this, what Jenny's about to give you. Please, just hold it in your hand for a second. Jenny, let me have some of them and I'll hand some this way. Thank you. Can you open up your hand a little bit? There you go. Just take some and pass it down. If you have more, just pass it back. There you go. Thanks. There you go. Just pass it. Just take one and pass it back. So here's the deal. Jesus wants us to have clarity. Can I see one of those? Can I borrow yours? Thanks. So here's the deal. You say, Ryan, you gave out a little packet of salt. Yes, I gave out a little packet of salt this morning. It's not because you're salty. (laughs) Listen. I invite you this week 
Listen, I invite you this week, look at me real quick. Don't talk, don't, don't chatter, don't, don't play around, don't open it. I invite you this week to try to carry this around. Just this week. Put it in your pocket. Now, don't forget it's in your pocket at night and then your mom wash your clothes and then it'd be kind of awkward. <laughs> Why do you have a pack of salt in your shorts? Um, but here's the deal. When we look at this, we see that our sin causes confusion, but God doesn't want that. Jesus doesn't want that. He wants us to confess and make things right so that we'll have clarity, so that we will be preserved, so that, that our salt won't go bad in our lives. Because here's the deal. Can I talk straight to you for a second? You guys have been so attentive and so... I appreciate it so much. Do you understand what the enemy is wanting to do right now more than anything else in STS and our church? You need to understand he's wanting to do one thing. It's the one thing that he wants to do uh, more than just in our church. He wants to do it in our church as a whole, as a body of Christ. He wants to do this across the world. He wants to do this in your homes. He wants to do this in your friendships. He wants to do this between me and you. Right now, look at me. He wants to do one thing, and it's to, to divide. He wants to divide. He wants to put a wedge in between me and you. He wants you to put a wedge, he wants to put a wedge between you and the church. He put, wants you to have a wedge between you and your friends. In that wedge, honestly, too many times, more than not, is pride. We say, well, I know better than them, or I'll, I'll do my own thing, or whatever they're doing, that's just pfft, whatever. Here's the deal. I love you guys enough to call that out and I absolutely do not want him to divide because there's too much potential in this room for you to impact this church I've heard more comments about last Wednesday night than I have in a while about you guys you guys leading worship you guys praying you guys just being in there I hear more comments, and some of you get sick of me here saying and talking about this, but here's the deal. I hear more comments from the worship team and Dr. Youssef about us sitting down front and how much that impacts them than anyone else. To look down and see you guys taking notes on a Sunday morning, they get so encouraged by that. You say, Ryan's just being a jerk because he keeps asking me to come down. I'm sorry, I'm not being a jerk. I absolutely just want to sit with you and you to see the impact that you can have as you listen to what God has to say through our awesome pastor. And I understand, I'm not trying to divide families. I'm not, that's, we've said this over and over and over. If your parents want you to sit with them, sit with them. That's what I want. But I would love, invite your parents down. Say, hey, can we sit together? And that's not what I'm saying of, of being sinful or prideful. I'm saying there's a point where it becomes division. Because here's what I don't want. Here's what I don't want. I don't want you to be somewhere else in the sanctuary. I don't want you to be in this room. I don't want you to be in, in, in the cafe and you do this the whole time. Because there are middle schoolers underneath you going, oh man, they can do that. 
I say this because I love you. I say this because I'm speaking to myself. It's all of us. Here's what it's gonna take. Would you do me a favor? Would you just stand for me just for a second? Everybody stand up where you're at. It's for us, it's gonna take for us to stand strong as a student ministry. You guys are awesome. And you don't hear that enough. Maybe you hear that more than I know, but you guys are awesome. And I want to see God do amazing things in you. But just for a moment before we break and we go to big church, again, I'm not trying to give a guilt trip. I'm not trying to convict. I'm not trying to do anything but just share what God's word is. I don't want people to trip over me to get to Jesus. I don't want people to trip over you to get to Jesus. So this morning, may we just do one thing. Maybe just do one thing. Can we just close our eyes just for a moment and hold out our hands? Maybe like as in a bowl, like we have a, we're holding water in our hands. Nobody's looking around. I'm gonna invite everybody to do this without anybody looking around. And just for a moment, I wanna ask that we just take this next part, just that we take it serious, not as conviction, not as uh, humiliation, not as, as anything. And I, I hope and pray that if you've heard that coming from my lips this morning, I promise that's not what I'm meaning. That's not what I'm, I'm conveying. I'm, I want to give some freedom and allow some freedom to happen in this place through the, the blood and the name of Christ. And so this morning, maybe there's something that you're struggling with. Maybe that there's something that is, is being a stumbling block, whether it's something you're seeing, the place that you're going, something that you're touching. And maybe this morning that you just hold that thing, whatever it is in your hand, just in, figuratively speaking, that place, you put that place in your hands. You put that thing in your mind, in your hands, that sin, that thing that's distracting, that struggle that's going on right now, that you put it in your hands. And just for a moment, just say, God, just in your own words, in your own heart, you don't even have to say it out loud, but you just say something like, God, I need you. And God, I want you to take this. I want you to take this and help me get rid of it. Help me in my walk with you. And if, and, and if I was to interject that if you're a believer, this is for you, you're saying, help me in my walk with you. Help me that people don't trip over me to get to you, Jesus. And help me understand that you want peace, you want unity, you want us to have clarity, you want us to be unified and have just perfect peace with you, Jesus, but it starts with you. And so today, help me with this. Help me with this. God, all across this room, you know the, 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 the struggles and the temptations that are in all these hands. God, let us understand that you're not calling us to physically kill ourselves. You're not calling us to physically mutilate or hurt ourselves. That's not what you're calling us to, Jesus. You're just telling the importance and how big of a deal it is that we stand firm and we hold on to our saltiness to you and we persevere with you, Jesus. And so this morning I ask, I beg, I plead that our students understand 
the depth of this call. And Lord, they understand how much they are loved by you. And so Lord, this morning I pray that we just have freedom as we leave this place. That Lord, maybe you'll, you'll remind us as we, we reach in our pocket and we fill that little salt packet that you'll remind us that we are, we are to be salt. And we are to persevere. That you've called us to do something big. And so be with us this morning. Lord, I love these teenagers more than they could ever have a clue And I pray that you would speak to us this week. Don't let it just stay in here on a Sunday morning. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I love you guys. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you upstairs, OCC. And uh, yeah, see you soon.